ClickFunnels is one of the top tools in my online course business's arsenal. And not only do I want you to use it too, but I want to empower you when you do. Sign up for ClickFunnels at theonlinecourseguy.com slash click, and you'll get all my templates I'm currently using, including my brand new amazing evergreen webinar template, as well as my training on how to best use ClickFunnels as a course creator. Sign up for a free trial now, try it out for yourself to see how great it is, and get my templates and training for free by going to theonlinecourseguy.com slash click. This episode is also brought to you by Deadline Funnel. I'm actually hard-pressed to find a successful course creator these days that isn't using Deadline Funnel because of how great it is for creating authentic deadlines with funnels, whether live or evergreen. The online course show listeners can get an extended free trial of Deadline Funnel by going to deadlinefunnel.com slash OCG. Now let's get on with episode 128, where the millennial money man stops by, Bobby Hoyt, to talk about his business and his courses. And spoiler alert, he has an amazing story to share about a particular bottle of wine he purchased during one of his launches. Let's go. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. This is The Online Course Show. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins, and here with us is our co-host, David Crozy. Hey, what's up? And we're excited to dive into all things online courses with you today. David, welcome to 128 featuring the Millennial Money Man. Thank you. I love this episode. I think I think the listeners are going to love it too. It was a super fun conversation. I, I wasn't super familiar with him, Bobby Hoyt of MillennialMoneyMan.com. Before before looking, you know, doing a little research and actually having this conversation with him. Obviously, I'm a big fan now. You know, really a really cool guy. Fun to get to know him. I think you you you're actually familiar with him already. You I remember you mentioned his name a few episodes back, and I was like, oh, I think I'm actually about to interview that guy. What, what do you What did you know about him beforehand? How did you get introduced to his world? Sure. Well, I'm not sure exactly to be honest, but I mean, I listened to Dave Ramsey. That got me completely out of debt listen to choose FI, but I think, I think before I found choose FI, so probably back in 2018, you know, I came across this millennial money man and just started following the Facebook page. And at some point I got on his email list too. The interesting thing, like I only associated with his millennial money brand, which in this, in the interview, you know, listeners will hear he, he has a lot more going on than the millennial money man. But I mean, I just saw various Facebook posts that I thought were funny, you know, questions about, you know, when should somebody sell a car or this or that about about saving money from a millennial's perspective and, and just just purely watch that brand. And then again, my wife decided to start a blog and I had her sign up for the blog through through Bobby's affiliate program for that. So I've, I've enjoyed his posts, but I'm actually interested in learning more about the kind of Facebook ad side of his business as well after listening to the episode or the interview. Yeah, re- Really, really cool. So we'll get into that here shortly. Just want to kind of update 
the audience on one small situation. I think I mentioned last week that I had this little issue with my Amazon affiliate stuff. In fact, you'll hear in this in this interview with Bobby, we talked a little bit about affiliate income. But I, I mentioned last week on the episode how you know stupidly I have not been getting paid from Amazon for the past year. And it was just it was just a mistake on my side. I was overlooking it every single month for for basically twelve months. Well, as of yesterday morning, they depo- Amazon deposited nine thousand dollars into my bank account. So big shout out to Amazon because their customer support was actually very very good to work with, and they moved very very quickly in in you know getting all that together and putting it in my, in my bank account. Awesome. Yeah, so that's really cool. What's going on on your side, man? Anything worth mentioning before we jump into this this conversation with Bobby? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. We're recording this on March 31st, also known as March 97th. This has been the longest month of my life. And so again, I have a chiropractic office. My my number of patients that I'm seeing, we are still open. We're trying to do all the steps that we can to keep everything sanitary, but that cut in half the thing is, like, I'm not as stressed as I should be, and that's because I listen to Dave Ramsey and people like the Millennial Money Man that say, hey, let's get out of debt, let's let's start to actually pay attention to money. And so my wife and I came into this crisis with a pretty healthy emergency fund. As far as working on the course, I'll admit, I, I feel like I could have been more productive. I spent more time just looking at these nasty news stories than I should have, but... I am pretty excited. I recorded this final video that's going to go into an actual course for potential patients. So my plan is that people around the community would sign up for this course and it would go out drip style with like an email every other day or every every third day. Also, yeah, essentially ready to to get my my course for other businesses, other chiropractors set up with Deadline Funnel. And when I was thinking of using Deadline Funnel, I was thinking of, of using it only for my course for other businesses. But I was thinking this morning, I listened to your webinar about your new webinar. I have this specialized service in my office and I'm like, I'm totally going to use Jacques system for that. So it's it's perfect for it. And just to get people around the community to watch the webinar and through your system. So yeah, excited and very optimistic. I basically... This morning, I was like, I'm going to get all three of these things. I'm going to get my drip course ready. I'm going to get my course for chiropractors set on up on Deadline Funnel and get a webinar with Deadline Funnel set up by the end of by the end of April and hopefully come out of this thing stronger. Awesome. That sounds like a great plan. If anybody's wondering like what, what system is, is David talking about there, we'll go back to episode 125. I talk all about my, my new way that I'm doing evergreen webinars, and I, I just can't be more pleased with the way it turned out. So episode 125 for how I'm now doing evergreen webinars to sell my piano course. So all good updates, man. Well, I mean, for the most part, obviously, we have a global pandemic going on here. And as you mentioned, we record these Tuesday episodes in advance, right? And they're not they're not as evergreen. So this episode will actually come out in about three weeks from now. So late late April, this episode will actually come out. I'm sure we'll still be dealing mm-hmm. with a lot of the same stuff. But for the most part, you know, just so the audience knows, we try to try to stay away from kind of current events and things because we do record ahead of time. But that's one of the reasons that I enjoy dropping in the Friday Facebook Live 
audio into the podcast feed because that is live. So if you're not aware, I go and do a Facebook Live every Friday morning. It's called the Friday morning iced coffee Q&A with Jacques. I just grab my morning iced coffee, turn on the camera, turn on the Facebook Live and see what you guys, the audience, wants to talk about, what questions you might have for me. And what I've been doing is just taking, extracting the audio from those and dropping it into the podcast feed because there we do we do talk about, talk about current events, talk about current things that are happening in our businesses and in the world. So there's far more conversation around coronavirus and the pandemic and stuff on the Friday episodes than there are on the Tuesday episodes. So I think you've been attending a few of those here and there, David. You, you're, you're enjoying the, uh, the Friday Facebook Lives? Yeah, typically I jump in for about five minutes of the live and then I come back and listen to the podcast later and, and enjoy enjoy the conversation. It's been great. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Well, without further ado, really excited about this conversation with Bobby Hoyt, the millennial money man. So let's get into it. One very small disclaimer here. I, you know, I mentioned this, the stupidity I had with the uh, Amazon affiliate stuff earlier. I'm not perfect. And I hit record on this conversation with Bobby about 20 seconds later than I should have. So you're going to, we're going to jump into it with him kind of in the middle of, of a sentence. And what you missed, what you're going to miss is me saying, Hey, Bobby, welcome to the online course show. And he says, Hey, Jacques, you're the greatest. No, I'm just kidding. He just, he just says, thanks. And then, and then I ask him the question, how did you, you know, I, I just kind of say, you know, Bobby, you've got a lot of things going on out there. You've got more than just courses, but let's start by how did you get into online courses specifically? And then we're going to jump into that conversation right when he starts answering that question. So without further ado, here's the conversation between me and Bobby Hoyt. Back in 2015, really that it's just a personal finance blog and I've been running it for the last five going on, I guess, six years now. In the beginning, it was just all personal finance content, just all blogging, personal finance content, kind of a personal brand. And then in 20, like late 2017, I was starting to think about my first course. And I was like, you know what? Like I see all these people getting rich with courses. <laughs> and I was like, I want to do that too. And, and kind of on the side, I had been doing marketing work because the way it all kind of worked out, I actually had quit my, I used to be a band director and I had quit my teaching job after I made a few dollars, uh, literally after I made $3 with Millennial Money Man, but I was like, so like wanting to work online and everything. So I quit my job, started running the blog. And then I was like, totally not making money. <laughs> so I had to start doing digital marketing work actually for the jeweler that did my wife's engagement ring that uh, we kind of worked it out. And he was like, Hey, I'll hire you to do the marketing stuff. And so I did that. So I had that skill set, And so then, you know, 2017, I was kind of coming into like, okay, I want to start a course people in my audience want to make more money. They want to know how to make more money. And I think the digital marketing thing is a good way to do that. So I started, I started putting that course together as my first course ever. I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I was just like loading it up with everything. It was like email marketing and local SEO and just tons and tons and tons of crap in there. And then eventually I, I called a good buddy of mine named Mike Yonda. He runs a Facebook ad agency and we had both done Facebook ads and, and knew you know Facebook ads pretty well. And so I was just kind of, we're talking back and forth and I was like, dude, what, like, what do you think I need to put in this course about Facebook ads? Like what, like what components, you know, what things should I cover? He was like, man, why don't you just make the course all about Facebook ads? Like, why are you adding all this other stuff? Like it's too much. And I was like, Hmm, yeah, I'll think about it. And I got off the phone with him as around Thanksgiving about a week later, I kind of was like, you know, that sounds like a cool idea. I called him back and I was like, dude, let's, let's do this course. Like, let's do it together. We'll just call it like the Facebook side hustle course. We launched it in 2018, January of 2018. And we did 
I think it was $132,000 of revenue in our first weekend. And so then it was like, it was like off to the races from there. Uh, we started Laptop Empires together. And uh, that's basically Info Products is our, our uh, main revenue source for that business. And so we've been doing that ever since. Yeah, you said you you saw people getting rich with courses, and it was obviously pretty much an, an instant success for for you guys with courses as well. Who who are some of those people back in 2017 that you were seeing, quote unquote, get rich with courses? You know, one of the big uh, I remember like seeing Pat Flynn doing a lot of course sales. Michelle Schroeder Gardner from MakingSenseOfSense dot com was doing really well with her affiliate marketing course. Man, I think those were the two big ones that I was like, man, these people are really, there was probably more. There was just, there were so many people that I saw that were like the bigger names and at least the personal finance space specifically that had a course. And it was like, it seemed like they went from, you know, good revenue to crazy revenue overnight. And, and I know it's, you know, even that story I just told, like, it seems like that's the way it happens, but it's really not normally that way. Like most people don't just launch a course and it like completely crushes. I actually like on a side note that make money marketing course was the first one I was doing that I kind of talked to Mike about. And I pulled the plug on that course. I still had people on the wait list that wanted to buy it, but I I only made $4,000 from that course because it was like, I felt like the Facebook side hustle one was a lot better. And we, we promoted that one, but my first course actually kind of flopped. So it wasn't, it wasn't like it was like some kind of you know, first try just totally knocked it out of the park. But yeah, those, those were kind of the people that I was I was thinking about specifically at that time. Well, those, those both those people. I mean, Michelle Shorter Gardner, Pat Flynn, both are very transparent with their numbers and what they're doing in their business. So you can you can definitely see like they'll they'll put out like I launched this course and this is this is how much I did. Now, listeners of this podcast will know that when I first launched my piano course way back in 2013, like it was not an instant success for me either. And I think you know you. Tell me if you agree, but it seems like the people that are an instant success with courses specifically had done a really great job at building their audience first, right? Those two people you mentioned already already had massive audiences to be able to launch their course to, right? Yeah. And that and that's really what comes down to for the success that we had initially with the Facebook side hustle course. It was like, you know, it wasn't just that weekend that we launched and made all that money. It was the years that I had spent building up an email list and an audience with millennial money man before that. So they had enough trust to pay for this thing. Right. So like, that's, that's a huge component of it. Just building the audience, same thing, like Michelle Schroeder, like she had been building an audience for years and, and Pat Flynn, obviously. So that's, I think probably the biggest thing that people overlook, which is easy to do. Cause when people put out income, I used to put out income reports, just like the both, both of them. And it, it, my revenue went from like 13,000 in one month to 150,000 or whatever. So it was like, it seems like it's just an instant get rich quick thing put out a course and you crush it, but it was years, you know, it was years of, of warming up an audience before that. Sure. So you said you used to put out income reports. Why is that something that you would have stopped? You know, to be completely honest with you, I stopped those, I think two years ago, they were just taking too long. <laughs> like they were getting, it gets to the point where you're like, okay, do I want to tell people how much money I'm making? Or do I want to just put in the work to go make more money? Because those things were starting to take hours and hours to put together and I mean, it's a good problem to have, I guess, with, you know, going like, okay, where's all the revenue coming from and, and doing all that? You need to do that in your business anyway. But I, it was that, it was too much work. And I had two businesses that was running Millennial Money Man and Laptop Empires at that point. And then I also just didn't feel like they were a good fit for my personal finance audience anymore because like the vast majority of people, you know, especially when they started to see the numbers that were getting kind of bigger, it was like, it, they kind of were like, okay, I don't really care about this. I just want budgeting information and like, you know, I don't want to see these like unrealistic numbers for me. 
And so that was, that was a big part of it. And I'm really glad that I stopped doing them because it just freed up so much of my time. You know, I felt like I was always like chasing the numbers. You know, I was always like, I got to beat last month. I got to beat last month. And since I stopped doing them, it's been more just like, how can I make my business better? You know, not necessarily worrying about like how much money I'm making and how much people think I'm, you know, like, am I being more successful and all this kind of stuff? Like I just didn't, it didn't really fit the business anymore. It's an interesting perspective because you, you you see like Pat Flynn putting out income reports. John Lee Dumas, I think, was was one of the things he kind of was made famous for. Yeah, how quickly he got up to like six figures per month, and he was put out his income reports and whatnot. So it's interesting to hear why you stopped doing that. And it's like, well, to do it right, it was just taking too much time when I could have spent that time better elsewhere. Back to like your your core, the courses that you do have at this point where we are, you know, early twenty twenty. What is your current course offering? What courses do you have out there for people to buy? Yeah. So we, right now we have the, the Facebook side hustle course, which teaches people local ads for, or I'm sorry, Facebook ads for local businesses. And that, that's like our flagship. We have a Facebook ads for bloggers course, which is really more of like a Facebook ads for, you know, coaches and, and online business owners. It, it covers a lot of the more in-depth like traffic campaigns and retargeting for core sales and lead generation. Like just a lot of the, the more in-depth things that online business owners need from Facebook ads. And then we've actually hasn't launched yet, but we've got an email, we've got an email marketing course coming out. And then we also have a client acquisition course for freelancers, like how to go out and get clients. So we've got a lot of things in the works. So those are the courses. And then kind of the central part of the entire business for laptop empires is that we have a coaching and support community and it's uh it's on the back end of the courses, but it's $47 a month. So that's kind of like our, it's a recurring revenue stream for us. It's kind of the engine of the business. It, you know, people, the way it works is people buy our courses they get 30 days for free in that community. And then it, it auto bills for $47, but we have, we've hired coaches. So we've got three coaches in there that help students. We've got a community manager. We've got a support person. And then Mike and Mike and I are in there doing live trainings every week. So it's, we try to make it a kind of a premium experience uh, and support experience rather than just having a free course. We just wanted something that was going to be a little bit more in depth and really help people kind of implement the course material. So that's kind of, that's kind of what we offer now. And I'm sure there's going to be more in the future, but that's kind of where we're at for 2020. So just to get an idea of, of, of how big this is, I mean, do you have any concept of how, how many people have ever signed up for your courses? How many students you have? I want to say we're somewhere in the 4,000. I think we're in the 4,000 range. Very nice. Very nice. Give vir- virtual fist bump here. I just recently crossed over 4,000 students myself in my piano course. So awesome to hear. Now, you obviously have more going on than just courses, right? Do, can, can you just kind of ballpark for us maybe around what percent of your revenue comes from courses and course-related activities versus other things you've got going on? Yeah. So I, I'd say the bulk of it right now is, you know, I'd say like 30 to 40% of what we do is probably just the recurring revenue group. And that's actually, we're going to expand that and make it its own product that you don't have to buy a course to get into. It's going to be more of an online business coaching community that's probably going to be somewhere in the like $97 a month range, you know, so there's that. And then the rest of it is kind of like core sales from our various courses. And then a smaller percentage that we're trying to make bigger right now is, is more affiliate income, trying to round out, round out the business. And, you know, we do, we're, and it's just like supporting elements like Thrivecart, you know, for example, that's what we use in our courses. So we're, we're starting to you know promote that click funnels, you know, kind of like the popular ones, but those are things that we actually use in our everyday business. So we're trying to really make sure that we, incorporate that, you know, both with paid traffic and and organic traffic, and then also just offering those things to our current students and kind of continuing that kind of value uh, add later on. So it's kind of, it's kind of a lot of different stuff, but you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with, with my piano courses, 
really the you know with piano in 21 days the majority of the revenue comes from strictly core sales the only affiliate income I get is from Amazon just recommending pianos and keyboards to people. But with this side of the business, the online course guy and the online course show, almost all of my revenue comes from uh, affiliates like recommending like, you know, ClickFunnels and an active campaign and Bonjoro and deadline funnel and all the things that I recommend to people. So I think that the combination of courses plus affiliates for the things that people will need to use the content of your courses is really important. But overall, how, how important do you think it is to, to diversify your income streams and maybe not just have it come from online course sales? Well, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's huge because what we've found in year one, it was very feast or famine, you know, with, with the course launches, we were basically launching the course, shutting it down, launching it. It, there were, you know, sometimes you have great launches and then sometimes you don't have great launches. And, and when you don't have a great launch, especially early on in your business, it feels like your business is falling apart. You're like, oh my God, like it's over. You know, it's not, I'm not going to be able to sell this course anymore. When really there's just so many different external factors. Like, you know, maybe you launch the course on a, on a sports like NCAA March Madness weekend or something. And you didn't think about it when you're, you know, planning out the calendar. So for us that having the stability, I think of having, especially the recurring revenue from the group, we start every month now knowing what our monthly recurring revenue is going to be. And so that, that allows us to go, okay, here are the things we can invest in. We want to do more, you know, Google ads or more Facebook ads. We want to, you know, build this element for the website so we can really, you know, kind of build the business, I think in a healthier way, but it takes time to get to that point. I mean, the first year it was like, we were just kind of hoping everything worked out pretty well. And, and it did fortunately, but we've really tried to expand that to different revenue streams. So I try to ask questions maybe you don't always get, but this next one, I would imagine you get all the time and you even alluded to it already. But tell me about this. On your website, I saw where you said, I quit my teaching job after I made $3 in display ads from the site. Tell us about that. So I started, the way that Millennial Money Man started was that I I paid off $40,000 of student loan debt while I was a teacher. And I was like really... I didn't care about personal finance before that happened. You know, I was, I didn't really know anything about it, but as I started paying off my student loans, I got more and more into it and just kind of realized there was this whole like personal finance community. And, and so I was like, okay, I want to start telling people about this because everybody I was surrounded by like teachers, you know, they all had student loan debt, but they didn't know what to do with it. Nobody really had like a good idea of, of how to handle that. And so I was like, man, I really, I enjoy talking about this and writing about it. And so I just started doing it on the side in my day job and I was at a point with teaching where I knew I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. And I was kind of getting a little bit miserable and I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't exactly know how to get there yet. And so then, you know, about six months into to writing on the blog, I had been saving up money after I paid off my student loans. I just kept paying myself the same amount. And so I, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I think I have enough money to quit. And so, I, you know, I went to my, she was my fiance at the time, but my wife now. Uh, and I was just like, Hey, this was like a month or two before we got married. It was like very, very soon before we got married. And I was like, I think I'm going to quit my job. You know, like I'm just miserable. And she was like, cool. We'll like, we'll make it work. And so I went in the next day and I quit my job and I, you know, I'd only made a couple of dollars, but I was like really sure that I could do it full time for whatever reason. So there wasn't, you know, like I never tell people to do what I did. Cause I think it's a really stupid way to quit your job. But I was just like at a point where I, I wanted to do it. And I knew I wanted to be happy. <laughs> you know, and I was not happy doing what I what I was doing at the time. So, so that was pretty much it. And for the first, like I said, several months, I didn't make any money. I was like totally freaking out and thought I was going to just like, I don't know, just go completely broke and everything. But 
what happens when you put yourself in that situation is you start figuring out how to make money. You know, when you're scared, that's when you re- when your back's against the wall. That's like when you really start trying to figure out how to make things work. And so I did, you know, over time. And then eventually Millennial Money Man was featured on CNBC. I think it was like in September of 2016. And after that, like it all started to take off a little bit more. So it was, it was more sustainable from that point. Well, it sounds like you put a lot of things in place too, right? You weren't making the income that you wanted yet, but you, you know, you paid off debt and whatnot. And for me, you know, we, we had just had our first baby girl about four years ago and we had paid off our mortgage. That was really important to us. And we had built up some savings. And for me, piano in 21 days was making about a thousand dollars a month. It wasn't enough for our, our, our normal income, but that's the point in time where I decided, we decided that it's okay. Now I can quit my job, focus on that and grow it. But there's things that we put in place as well. So for those listening, to this that maybe are working a full-time job and don't know that point where that point is to actually pull the trigger and quit you know with all of your experience where are you recommending people do that at this point i think <laughs> i feel like the the smart it's so funny because i used to have people that would email me and be like oh bobby i saw your story i'm quitting my job and i'd be <laughs> like no <laughs> that is the worst thing like please don't do that so for me i think if you i think if you are matching your salary for, for six months, like that's, I feel like that's the safe answer. Now oh, yeah. the real, that's very safe. Yeah. It's super safe. It, just because I'm, I'm honestly, I've had enough people that have actually quit their jobs like way too early that it, it scares me. So I try to be, you know, I'm a personal finance writer. So I try to be like very, you know, safe on the amount of time. But I think realistically, if you have something that you feel like is sustainable and you feel like you've been making, you know, enough money to where if you put your full, time into it that you could expand it. Like, you know, a lot of people are going to take that opportunity more like what you did where it's like, Hey, I've been making money for X amount of months. Like if I had this thing full time, I could really blow it up. And that's what everybody runs into where there's just like, I don't know, have, I don't have enough time anymore in the day to like, you know, work on this thing and I need more time. So I think that's where like most people would probably pull the trigger and quit. Very cool. So I usually like to, to ask people kind of about the, the, what they were experiencing when they made their first online course sale. But you already told us a little bit about the, you know, the Facebook ads course where, you know, yeah. over the weekend they kind of made over a hundred thousand dollars. So maybe if, if, if the, just the very first sale isn't relevant, maybe tell us more about that launch and, and kind of if you have any stories about how, you know, your bank account was starting to blow up or anything about that. Give, give us some insight into that first launch, that, that six figure launch. It was surreal, man. And, and it was one of those things where like I had been making pretty decent money with millennial money, man. I think I was making about $10,000 a month, about $10,000 a month net back then. So it wasn't like I was like struggling or anything like that. But when we first launched the course, I think the way that it all kind of played out was we, we had a wait list because I had told the millennial money man audience about the course and, and I kind of like gotten people hyped up. And so we actually had like hundred, I think we had 900 people on the wait list for the course but we had no idea how it was actually because there's a big difference between getting people on a wait list and actually converting the sale, right? Like, because people didn't even know how much it cost yet. Like there's a whole, there's a whole lot of things that go into converting that sale, as you know. So we did the, we opened it up on Thursday. We did pre-launch Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday emails. And then we opened the, the card on Thursday. And in the first day we did $25,000. I remember just like, looking at the computer screen and I was like, holy crap. Like I've never seen numbers like that because I was a teacher before I started doing any of this stuff. Like I'd never seen numbers like that. And then I think the next day we did like 12,000. So we were freaking out like, oh man, is it, is it dying? And then, <laughs> and then the third day it, it, we did, God, I don't remember. It was more, it was, it was, it was like 20 something, almost $30,000. And then the last day on the cart close day, we sent three emails out 
And it was like good sales on the first email, good sales on the second email. But we sent one at 8 p.m. that was the actual cart close. And it was a very short email that was just like, this is it. This is the deadline. We're closing the doors. And we probably did like $80,000 in like <laughs> two hours or something. And I, I was sitting there with my wife and we were just watching, like we were just watching the sales go up till midnight. And I remember very specifically just being like, wow, our, this, our life has changed. Like this is, this is like our reality is different now. And it was really, really surreal. And it was just like, it was just something I never thought would actually happen. You know? So, so the, yeah, that was pretty much it. And I mean, my business partner and I had gone, it was really funny. We, we had gone out and bought, he was like, dude, we got to buy a nice bottle of wine to like celebrate. Like this was on the last day when the sales were still rolling in. And I was so cheap back then. He, I was like, the most expensive bottle of wine I'd had had been like $10 back then. And he was like, dude, no, you got to like get something good. Like he wanted to get this bottle called Papillon. It's actually on my desk right now. I looked at that bottle in the store for probably about 20 minutes. Like, eh, I don't know. Should I buy it? Should I not? Like, and then I looked at my phone and I had made like $5,000 from the time I had walked in from my car <laughs> to like, I was like looking at the bottle of wine. So then I was like, okay, I'll buy it. You know? And it was like, it, it was just this really like crazy experience and, and not every launch has, has gone like that. You're totally upfront with that. I mean, it's, we've had some that were not great, not great. Some that were really good, but that was, it was definitely a life changing kind of experience because I just never thought you could make that much money. <laughs> Like from, from an info product and, and it couldn't have really gone much better than that. I think perspective is, is really something, man. Cause you're staring at this bottle of wine and it's like, ah, should I pull the trigger or not? You look at your phone. It's like, well, since I've walked in the store, I've made $5,000. What, what's the, what's, I don't think I've had that type of wine before. What, what's the price point on that ballpark? It's like 55 bucks. It's not oh, even, come on. Like, I know <laughs> it's, it's not even like, it's not even a really what I would call expensive bottle of wine, obviously, yeah. but I was so, I, you know, back then I used to be so frugal because that was like my whole thing was, I sure. was just, and my business partner was not like, not that he was bad with money or anything, but he's definitely like, Hey, let's buy the nice bottle. It just took me, I, I had to sit there and look at it for a really long time. And looking back, I feel kind of dumb that I took that long, but it was just, you know, it was like this mindset shift of, I went from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset in my business with like overnight because yeah. I realized like there's all this money out there. I just have to figure out how to go get it, you know, and I, and I hadn't thought of it that way before. Well, I mean, you said that the bottle is sitting on your desk. Please tell me that's not like the same unopened bottle. Like hopefully you actually drank the wine. Yeah, no. So it's, it's this one right here. We, we, my business partner and I, we, every time we've had a, a really great launch, well, not every time actually, but when we have really significant business milestones, we'll both buy the same bottle. He lives in Dallas. I live in Houston. We'll jump on the computer and we'll kind of like, you know, drink it together or whatever. And then we keep them as trophy bottles. So I've got one for the first launch we did, the second launch we did, like the relaunch. I've got one for the day that my I told my wife she could quit her job. And then I've got one for when she started her YouTube channel. And I think I've got one for when we passed half a million dollars in sales. So there's like, we have all these like, you know, kind of trophy things. And they're cool to look at because it kind of just, when I look at that bottle or I kind of remember that feeling of what that launch felt like and like how life-changing it was. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Now, I think, you know, people listening to this, you can't just expect a $100,000 launch no. every weekend or anything like that. You obviously, you know, we talked about this already, but you obviously had, had, had built a significant audience up to that point. So yeah. you mentioned 900 people were on the wait list, which is amazing. Like how big was your whole list at this point? I had 13,000 people on the list. That's, that's not many. <laughs> it wasn't many. No, but I, 
I had a really, I, I had a really strong bond with my audience. And I think that it just was kind of like the right, it was the right product for the right audience at the right time. And so I think that that's, that's a big part of it. Now this course has still been like very, very successful three years later. So it's not like it was just a flash in the pan thing, but I think we, we were fortunate. We brought in a really good copywriter, Chris Orzakowski, and he, he runs a site called the email copywriter.com. And he was a friend of Mike's and he really helped us put together our sales page and the emails and the launch strategy. And his whole thing is he does, he used to do, he did, and I don't think he does this anymore because he doesn't have time, but he used to do like e-com launches and things like he was doing like eight figure launches and, you know, these massive, massive launches for companies. And so, you know, ours was like the smallest one I think he had ever, you know, he had ever done. So, but he helped us put that stuff together. And so it was just like, we just had the right things in place, I think for, for it to go well. Yeah. And just to be clear, like 13,000 email list, I mean, it is big, relatively speaking, but if you compare 13,000 email list to hundred and something thousand dollar launch, that's amazing. That conversion rate yeah. is incredible. What, what was the price point of that product? It was 247 when we first launched it. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I'm just like <laughs> I'm just like blown away. This is yeah, uh, it's crazy. Pretty epic. So, thirteen thousand person email list converted to a nine hundred person wait list, a two hundred forty seven dollar product, and you got a bottle of pap. Two thousand sale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say you got a bottle of papillon out of it, but yeah, one hundred thirty two thousand. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, let's go to the other side, right? I'm sure it always hasn't been just smooth sailing, whatever, no. right? What, tell us about a time when maybe you were struggling and weren't sure if things were gonna gonna work. Yeah. So I think one of the, probably within that first year, it, that was when we really were like the most struggle, I think, you know, when the struggle was the highest, because we were going from like, you know, like I said, a hundred and something thousand dollars to like $15,000 in revenue from the recurring revenue. So it was, it was just like, we would have these massive spikes and then just the lowest of lows. It felt like the lowest because your, your perspective on this stuff totally changes. Once you hit and everybody that's in business knows it's like the next level you get to, it always feels like you're failing if you don't get to that point again. And so we were just having these like massive highs and lows. And then I remember for the Facebook ads for bloggers course, we launched that one. We were sure that thing was going to crush because it had, you know, it what the lists weren't as big. I don't think in, but we, we had a lot of excitement around it. And I think we did, we did $17,000 in on that launch. And our expectation was that it was going to be a six figure launch. And so we were, we were just like devastated, you know, which is stupid because it was still way more money than I'd ever made when I was a teacher in, in a weekend. But you know, when you start to have a business where you have more people that work for you and there's more infrastructure and more overhead and things like that, like you, when you don't have great launches, it really kind of, it, it hurts a lot more. And the, what had happened was we just didn't nail the messaging. Like we didn't address all the pain points in the copy. We really just didn't have a very effective strategy. And I think we got a little bit cocky because our first one went so well. And so when the second one didn't crush like we thought it would, we really had to go back and evaluate like, you know, what we, we did and we call them autopsies. We do autopsies on the launches and we looked at it. We were like, we just, we just missed the mark on this. We just totally missed it. So we've, we've done better with that one since. And we, we kind of figured out some things like this one needs to be launched through an affiliate, like a bigger affiliate to really be more successful because it, that's, there's more hurdles to, for a blogger to start running Facebook ads for their business than there are for like person that wants to start a side hustle. So we had to f- figure that out and, you know, more trust through an affiliate and change the, the copy and all that kind of stuff. So you keep saying we, 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 right? Do you have any, have you done any launches? Do you have any online courses that are not with a business partner? No, I actually don't. They're, they're all through laptop empires. I mean, I am going to launch my own. 
products and courses through Millennial Money Man, but that's really more of an affiliate marketing business than it is anything else. So that's, you know, I think, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I've done that's like a totally solo thing. I don't think so. I mean, it's mostly been, you know, the course thing, I think for me, especially, I've got a team on both sides. So Millennial Money Man, I've got a whole team of people that work for me, Laptop Empires. I do that with Mike. We've got a team over there too, but I don't think I would like doing a course online or an online course business as much by myself because it's stressful. Like people don't realize like there's a lot, you know, I don't know if you do everything on your own, but it's, I mean, you have super high highs and you have very low lows sometimes. I mean, at least that was, that's been my experience. So like sharing that kind of burden and there's just a lot that goes into courses, like the, the actual production of the courses and the copywriting and the launch planning and the, got it. I don't know, everything else. (laughs) There's just so much that goes into it. I don't think I would want to do it on my own. Well, I did it on my own for a while and I do have a team behind me now, which is, which is awesome. But a lot, you know, a lot of people, you know, bootstrap it and they do it on their own for, 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 you know, I've even had people on this podcast who are wildly successful that are still doing it completely alone without a team and they make it work. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I couldn't do it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) what do you think is most stressful to you about that? Because if I had to go back to myself, like I could get it done. I mean, certain parts would certainly be stressful, but for you, what, what's so stressful about trying to do an online course by yourself? I think, you know, to be totally honest with you, I think the, the customer service part of it can be really rough because what, what I found out is like most people are really great people, but when somebody wants like a refund, for example, they will go to the craziest lengths and say the worst things to try to get a refund. And so, you know, that was something we experienced kind of, you know, kind of early on where it was like, we had some people that were trying to sue us. We had people tell us that they weren't, that our course didn't have, like our, our customer base wasn't diverse enough, you know, like as if we were like targeting you know, certain people and things like that. I mean, like we had all sorts of just crazy stuff go on. And so we brought on a, a customer service person, Aaron, who, do, who handles all that stuff for us. And that has been the biggest stress relief probably out of everything. Cause she handles everything. Like when they're, when we first launched the course, we couldn't even figure out how to log into the thing before we launched like 10 minutes before we, the first email went out, Mike and I were sitting there like, crap, we don't know how to log into the course. Like, I don't know how we had overlooked that, but we were trying to like get in there and change something. We couldn't. And so like we were just panicking. And so now we have somebody that like if a student get, you know, they don't get their welcome email or whatever, if they, or if they put the, typically what happens is they don't put their email address incorrectly on at checkout or whatever. And then they freak out. They're like, Oh, I can't, you know, you guys scam me. I can't get my course. And it's like, "Ah, I'm sorry. You just, you put a type, there was a typo in the email. Like that was actually your fault, but that's our support person handles all that stuff now. So that's been like the biggest, I think, stress relief. And then the other thing is with course launches specifically, we have this rule is like whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Like there's always some kind of stupid technology thing that happens or like maybe a zap doesn't work from the cart to the, the course actually getting to people. It's just something crazy always happens. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much it with the stressful stuff. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because I, you know, looking back, customer support is the first thing that I outsourced, and I'm so glad I did. And I, I never want to go back to that point. In fact, <laughs> she'll she'll send me funny things like that every now and then. Like, look, look at this, you'll get a kick out of it. And just like literally two days ago, she sent me somebody sent a message. You know, 30 minutes after buying the course, they sent a message. It's like, I knew this was a scam. I don't know why I gave you my money. Like, I can't get in. Like, I'm about to, you know, I'm about to report you to my bank and this and that. And it turns out, like you said, he just entered his email wrong at checkout. So it, it didn't match up. So he couldn't get his things. <sighs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot, man. And it, it's been a really interesting experience kind of watching people, you know, how different people react to things like that. I think, you know, 
most people are very, like I said, nice people, but there are just some people that will just go way out of their way to just be like horrible about things. So I don't even, to be totally honest with you, I, I won't even look at the support inbox or really just like our laptop empires inbox unless Aaron passes it along to us because it's just, I open it up and I get stressed out because there's people that just are pissed about something. And it's like a small, small fraction of the people that actually buy your course, but that kind of stuff, if you read that a lot, like that can, that can kind of ruin your day. So I don't even look at it anymore. Yeah. It's better to look at the ones that are like, Oh my gosh, you changed my life. This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) All right. So next question, you may have somewhat answered this already. You let me know, but like, I, I usually like to ask like, what is, what is something really neat that you've been able to experience because of having a successful online course business. What's it's a cool purchase, a cool experience you're doing better to do. So was it that amazing bottle of wine or is there something else you can tell us about? I think honestly it was it was a, having enough money coming into where my wife could quit her job and stay at home. She was a teacher. So we were both teachers. We were going to we were planning on her leaving before I actually launched the Facebook side hustle course, but it was going to be a little bit tighter and I wasn't like I was just a little bit more worried about it, you know, but then we launched that course and she actually quit her job like six months later. And I think that has been the best thing so far because like my wife, and I very fortunately get along very well. So we were really like, it, it was, it was been, it's been cool to have her be here and she started her own YouTube channel now. Like she started her own business, but just being able to like both be home and do have the freedom to guess, go do the things we want. Like that's probably the most special experience. I think that the, the info product thing is, has done for me so far. Really cool. We we did things kind of the other way. My wife had quit her job when we had our first kid, and that was that was an added pressure and an added thing to think about when I was considering quitting my job is because my wife had already quit, and me having a good salary and a good job was what allowed her to quit. So it was like more pressure on me. But fortunately, things all worked out. Cool. All right. Well, just a couple more questions for you here, man. So let's talk about tools next. You mentioned a couple tools. You mentioned ClickFunnels and, and Thrive. What are some of the other tools that you're using that that really make your, your online course business and, and I guess your business overall work? Yeah. So yeah, we use Thrivecart for the cart. And then uh, right now we actually, <laughs> well, we use Teachable to house the course, but we're moving to a custom platform on our actual website soon. Teachable has been great. You know, I don't want to say anything bad about it, but it's just been a little bit limited for what we need for the course. So we'll have a custom version of that. And then I think we use active campaign for our, all of our emails, which, you know, the funnel building and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I use convert kit for millennial money, man. And, I'm, and it's been fine. Like convert kit's a good tool for bloggers, but I think if you are doing more like hardcore sales funnels and things like that, I think active campaign is the premier way to go, at least from everything I've tried because mm-hmm. the, the, the capabilities that you have to actually build out a funnel that, has a lot of different triggers and things happening in it. Like I think that that's, it's been huge for our business and most of our, our revenue comes from email. So there's been that, you know, deadline funnel is obviously you talked about that one deadline funnel is a big one. You know, we actually, we actually use a tracking suite and called Woopra. I don't know. This is kind of maybe a little bit more of an obscure one, but it's kind of like a very high powered tracking system. So we can fire all these different triggers and, and coupon pop-ups and all this different stuff based on like, if somebody has looked at 20 pieces of content on the site, we can hit them with the special offer pop-up. So we, we've gotten to some pretty advanced stuff like that this year that's been really cool. And we've and with that tracking software, like we're able to see like, you know, which pieces of content, like we, basically we've, we've been able to prove out attribution, which is like the hardest thing to do with, I think, online sales. We've been able to figure out like these people are looking at this piece of content, this piece of content, this piece of content before they buy, which is a kind of incredible, you know, but it allows you to put more resources into, into building out that content and making sure that you can see the whole customer journey. So that's been really cool. 
And that's really it for like the big ones, I think. Yeah, we, we were totally on the same page. I mean, click funnels, deadline funnel, active campaign, huge fan of active campaign, but the whoop, whoop, whoopra, whoopra, totally lost me there. Never heard of that one. Yeah, um, it's, it's, a, it's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look into it. All right. So for listeners of, the, of this podcast, whether somebody has a big audience out there pre, pre-launching a course like you did, or maybe doesn't have an audience at all, if somebody's at the beginner stages of the course creation process, what advice do you have for those people? Yeah. So I, what I would say is, is do more of a model where you build the course as you go. So this is something we tell people that don't maybe have like a big audience yet. Like you pre-sell it you pre-sell the course and then you build it along with people live and then you can package it later and resell it. And so that's something that we've, we've experimented with, but we've just seen the most success with people that have maybe smaller lists or don't have an audience yet. I, I think that content creation is a really big part of course sales because it is, it, you have to bring people in. But I do think if you're going to like launch something and you don't have a big wait list, you know, just pre-sell it to people uh, to, you know, prove out the idea build it alongside of your first round of students. And then you can package that later and then start trying to figure out all the cool launch stuff and, and all of that later. Well, Bobby, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you about that, this and hear uh, some of your stories related to your online business and specifically the online courses. So before we get out of here, let everybody know specifically where they can go to, to, to learn more about you and, and look into more of your products. And, and while we're at it, you know, pitch your wife's stuff too. You said she's got a new YouTube channel and all that. Let's, let's hear about the wife's business too. Yeah. So I'll start with hers because I feel like I'd get in trouble if I didn't. So you can follow her. She does home decor. She's got a home decor YouTube channel. She does product reviews and things like that. Just crushes with product reviews. Uh, she's Coral Hoyt, C-O-R-A-L-H-O-Y-T. That's her YouTube channel. Uh, you can follow her social media. Or that's I think that's her handle on everything. But if you're if you're into that kind of stuff, she's definitely, definitely good at that. And then for me, uh, Laptop Empires is the info product business. You can find us at laptopempires.com. Uh, find us on Laptop Empires underscore on Instagram. That's probably where we're more active. But most of the stuff that we do is, is on our email list. So jump on our email list. We do a lot of newsletter blasts. We have podcasts. We try to provide a lot of uh, value. And we talk a lot about a lot of the same things here, uh, email marketing and SEO and basically everything else. And then you can also follow me at millennialmoneyman.com and uh, Moneyman, G-E-N-Y Moneyman on all my social media handles. Bobby Hoyts, Millennial Money Man, Laptop Empires. Thank you so much for your time today. All right, that's going to do it for the conversation with Bobby. David, welcome back. Thank you. That All right, was so, awesome. Yeah, awesome. That was cool, right? Awesome interview. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that conversation. It just, it just worked. Like it just was a, a good conversation. I felt like I always just had the the the, the right next question for him, and, and that that goes, you know, all the credit goes to him. I'm sure he's been on just tons of of interviews, so he was a great interviewee as well. So a lot I want to dive into here too, but I mean, I've got to start with the wine story, man. That was my favorite part of the whole thing was how he was sitting there in the supermarket, the grocery store, looking at this bottle of wine for five minutes. I, I've told so many of my friends that aren't in the online course space this story about how he's looking at it, deciding if he should buy it for not or not, look at his phone. Since he's walked in the grocery store, he's made like $5,000. He buys the bottle of wine. Absolutely love it. Yeah, dude. I was so I was listening to this. I was out for a walk with my dog, and during that whole part, I mean, when he was talking about making eighty thousand dollars in two hours, like I just had this like ear to ear grin. I walked by this dude. I'm thinking this guy probably thinks I'm on drugs or something. And then, yeah, when you asked him, like, so what was the value of that bottle of wine? I I was totally prepared for him to say like I didn't know two hundred, five hundred, a thousand dollars, and he said fifty five bucks. I was just I I. 
I came pretty close to snorting if I didn't, but yeah, that was hilarious and just so cool. Just amazing. Yeah, I was ready for it to be like multiple thousands of dollars as well. You just don't know. You don't know the perspective. The most expensive bottle of wine I've I've ever had would probably be Camus, which is like uh, if you, in the store it's like an eighty or ninety dollar bottle, you know, a little over a hundred in a restaurant type of a thing. And it's oh man, it's amazing. I've never had Papillon, but I, I so I didn't know what price point we were talking about. So it was just really cool to get into you know get into his space at the time and hear that complete paradigm shift just all, all at, at one time. And the you know the other thing about that you. 80,000 in, in a couple of hours, $132,000 in that launch. All of his launches haven't gone like that like that. Like I don't I don't like just sharing the crazy success stories mm-hmm. on this show cuz my story was not like that. I'd like to think that I'm pretty successful today, but my first launch was was crickets and it took a long time for me to to find success and he even mentioned like I think he just kind of briefly glossed over it but that actually wasn't his very first launch he said his very first launch what was not very successful um, but he learned some things from it and then and then he did a hundred thirty two thousand dollar launch and i i struggled for a long time because i would only listen to these crazy success stories but so i want to put that disclaimer out there that that's not going to be the case for everybody just because you build something doesn't mean they will come Exactly. And I mean, also he shared, you know, it was like they had added staff, added more overhead, and then they tried to launch that Facebook ads for bloggers and $15,000, which as I listened, I'm like, $15,000 still sounds really good. But again, if you add overhead, I mean, like, you know, for anybody that's had a business a little while, you know that the top line and the bottom line can be tell a different story than just the amount of money you bring in. So yeah, it was good to hear that. Good to hear that yeah. perspective and the roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, if I if I told you if I just tell some random guy in the street, hey, it you know last month, and this is this is not true, but what if I said last month I I brought in fifteen thousand dollars from selling an online piano course, mm-hmm. and to random Joe on the street that would sound amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm this this number is true. I spent twenty thousand dollars in my business on you know contractors and ads and software and all the thing all the expenses I have so if I actually would have brought in $15,000 that's pretty unimpressive considering I spent 20 so it's you got to know the whole picture as well mm-hmm. I love how I mean on that roller coaster ride they talk he talked about how they both celebrate the successes but then like learn from the failures so I mean that idea of the trophy bottles and he still has those that represent the high points of his career but then he said anytime they do a failed launch, you know, they do this deep dive autopsy and try to figure out, you know, what could be improved. That's good. I I do that on on probably not as deep a dive as I should. I, I I'll look at it and be like, okay, what can be improved? But I don't I don't do a deep dive. It's, it seems like a daunting task, but it sounds like they do a really good job with that. With the with the what we're talking about right now with the the launches and specifically that big launch. Here's a quote that I absolutely love that I, that I that I wrote down. He said, "It was the right product for the right audience at the right time." Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there was there was a bit of luck there. Just it just everything came into place for that one big one hundred thirty two thousand dollar launch. So while a fifteen thousand dollar launch for a lot of people and even for him was was nice, you know, we're talking ten x that here, and and I think for just these mega, incredible, amazing launches, it does take the right product at the right time for the right audience. Mm-hmm. And that, that quote specifically came up when we were talking about 
what percent of his email list purchased? Because that was what was most impressive to me was how small his email list was in relation to how many sales he actually made. Now, as I listened to that discussion of that first launch, the thing that jumped out at me was just the fact that they invested in professional copywriting. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious, with your copywriting, like, have you hired a <laughs> professional copywriter at all? Have you? Has it been more funnel hacking? Did When he said that, was there... I mean, I, I get a get a feeling I have some idea of how you think, but was there a part of you that was like, Maybe I should reach out to that guy. How how have you done all your copy to this point? Definitely. Copy copywriting is one of the things that I, I'll probably outsource to some degree in the next year or so. Haven't paid for any copywriting up until this point. Now I will get, you know, my assistant Emily will she'll help me write certain blog posts and things, but in terms of like sales copy and headlines and all that, I've always done it myself. The biggest influence on me to this point would be story brand by Donald Miller. And so one line that I like to use in a lot of places, it's at the bottom of every page of my website and it's throughout my evergreen webinar is this, it's you have the ability to learn piano inside of you. I'm just the I'm just the guy that's going to help you reach down and unlock it, right? And so the the key behind story brand is that you are not the hero in the story. Your customer is the hero. You're just the guide. And so I really want to try to empower other people that they have the ability, like they're the hero. And without that book, I wouldn't have been able to, to, you know, come up with that line, create that line. I think it's pretty effective. Sure. So no, no copywriter at the moment, but I'm probably going to be out. So and to your point, you know, Bobby's story is, is motivation to outsource some copywriting. Mm hmm. The discussion of when to quit your job, I, I enjoyed that. I I actually wrote down the quote that he said. He said, when you're scared, when your back's against the wall, that's when you really start trying to figure out how to make things work. Just that discussion of when to quit, I was thinking, you know, there's a story of uh, Cortez that when they arrived on the shores of Mexico, he burned the ships and was like, you guys have no choice but to go and succeed and, and conquer Mexico. Then the other analogy about when to quit, if you have a side hustle and you're trying to make it your full-time job, Dave Ramsey, who I've mentioned before, is a big inspiration. He says, you know, get your side hustle going. But he said, move the boat closer to the dock before you jump. He's like, (laughs) get it going, get it going where it's like, he'd probably say 60 or 80% of your income before you quit your full-time job. But that was a fun discussion. And as I was thinking, I was like, yeah, those are... Those are two good boat analogies about when when you get to quit. Yeah, and everybody's risk tolerance is is different as well. So, but those are very good analogies, and I I enjoyed particularly the conversations he had with his wife, and also when she decided to quit her job too. So he was saying that he went to his wife, or maybe she was his fiance at the time, that he wanted to go ahead and quit, even though he hadn't really made it by any stretch of the imagination. But she was totally cool with it. And that's not how the conversations went with my wife because she's you know there's a lot of freaking out because there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of added stress when you don't have certain benefits and certain paychecks and so on. But for but the difference is that his fiance still had a job mm-hmm. at the time, whereas my wife had already quit her job to stay at home with our new baby. And if I quit our job, that meant all those all the the benefits and the security was going completely away. Right. So that made it a little easier probably for his fiance to say to go for it. But it was cool that hearing 
how important to Bobby it was when the day that his wife got to then quit her job eventually. Mm-hmm. No, that was awesome. And I looked up her YouTube channel as well. It's super cool just to see how she's she's making it work for her too, uh, being, a, being a solopreneur. Now, what about the Woofra? Did you actually look that up? It's been a few weeks since you recorded this. Have you looked into that deep dive analytics on the, the customer journey through your your systems? Yeah, Dave, I think it was I think it was Woopra or something like that. I've just briefly looked into it. It's they have like a free plan and then a really expensive plan. And it was it was good to hear Bobby talk about it. I'm gonna look into it a little bit more, but at the same time, you know, you got you gotta draw the line somewhere with with how many, you know, different software packages and tools you use. And many people know that I'm already using a lot of them. And I also feel like I've got things pretty dialed in at the moment and I do keep things you know, relatively simple. It, it, it's all relative, but for the most part, I, I, I keep it pretty simple. But it is something that I built it down to look into in the future. And hey, if Bobby's using it, then then let's look into it. You know, sounds good. Cool. Well, I think that's that. Those are my big takeaways. I don't really have any other notes from this conversation. But like I said, it was super enjoyable on my side. Any any other anything else worth mentioning from you? No, that's it. Love this episode. Cool. Well, thank you, uh, David, for joining me for another episode of the Online Course Show. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening to another episode of the Online Course Show. And thanks again to Bobby for joining me here. For all the notes and links from today's episode, you can find those show notes by going to theonlinecourseguy.com slash 128. And for plenty more resources on helping you on your online course journey, head to theonlinecourseguy.com. Thanks again. We'll talk next week. (laughs) 